Welcome to the Game of Crowdfunding Interview Edition. That's right. I've got an interview for you. And this is actually a uh, extra interview that we're going to be doing this month. Uh, call it another bonus content for the uh, Pledge Drive month. Call it, I just wanted to talk to this person. Who am I talking to today? Hey, uh, Jeff. My name is Josh Bricker, and uh, I'm currently running a Kickstarter with my company, The Flux Capacity, for uh, our first game, actually, called Give It to the King. I hope you've taken a chance to look at it, actually. Yeah, so we're going to be talking about Give It to the King, and one of the big reasons I wanted to have this conversation, uh, we've talked to several different type of people with several different type of projects, and this is something that I've pointed out in the past, that it's never a bad thing to have to relaunch your campaign as long as you've learned lessons and expressed them to your backers. And that's exactly what Josh has done. This is the second time Give It to the King has been up on Kickstarter and where he canceled previously and the funds didn't seem like they were potentially going to be there or they would have just barely been there. This time you've got, well, five days left as of now and you're already funded and past your first stretch goal, correct? That's correct. We're at uh, just, uh, we're actually just approaching $11,000 of pledges now, which is uh, about a hundred and 10% of our goal, I think. And uh, yeah, we're pretty excited about it this time around. All right. So you are the driving force behind Flux Capacity. Uh, so you're the publisher for this game. You're not the designer, correct? That's correct. Yeah. I'm uh, sort of taking my, uh, taking a stab at the world of game publishing, as painful as some people explain that it is. It's, uh, it's always sort of piqued my interest. And, um, you know, I kind of last year set up, I started learning about Kickstarter probably around this time last year. And I kind of made a promise myself that I'd try to kickstart something. So this was kind of putting two hobbies together, just a little bit of business that I'm interested in, as well as uh, board games, obviously. And it's been quite an interesting experience so far. So for you, is Flux Capacity your full-time gig right now, or do you still have to uh, maintain a 9-to-5 like the rest of us? Uh, no, I definitely have a 9-to-5, and actually most days it's a 6-to-3 kind of job, but uh, <laughs> that gives me enough time in the afternoon and evenings to answer a lot of emails and uh, and uh, messages on Kickstarter, and this has actually been kind of a second full-time job this month. Yeah, I bet, especially right now with the campaign going on. It's, it's probably been keep, keeping you extremely busy. Yeah, a lot of people scare you with the idea that it could be an overwhelming experience. And it's not scary. Uh, they don't scare you enough. Let's put it that way, because it's <laughs> definitely more work than anyone can possibly explain to you. <laughs> All right. So, you know, let's, uh, well, I I'd love to start with, you've hit on it a little bit, but do you have a, a point or do you have like a build up to you wanting to start Flux Capacity? What made you decide that you had to be a publisher? Yeah, well, the idea behind the company, I've sort of had the idea for the company for a long time. Um, and it's not necessarily going to be unique to game publishing, but because uh, I am interested in things like iOS game development and some other projects. But yeah, this is sort of the launch of the company officially. And uh, we're definitely in talks with a lot of different designers right now with different ideas for games. So um, I'm pretty excited about it. And uh, who knows, Kickstarter might be the platform but, uh, but kind of each project will have to be evaluated on its own. You know, you, you've got your regular full-time job and that's keeping you, uh, extremely busy. I'm assuming like most of us, our, our full-time jobs keep us going. What switch flipped for you that said, okay, I, I need to be in the, uh, publishing, uh, side of things, even to the point where you're willing to do it at night and put in a lot of time after you've worked all day 
what I don't I don't know the answer to that actually. I kind <laughs> of am one of those people that just likes to continuously take on ridiculous amounts of projects and this happens to be a cool one that I enjoy doing and uh if it turns into uh a permanent job that would be awesome. <laughs> but uh I'm kind of I'm I'm really enjoying it as a hobby right now even though it takes up a, a, a crazy amount of time. It's just I am sort of forecasting that it'll calm down a little bit after uh Friday at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. <laughs> Oh, good luck with that, sir. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, then all the crazy stuff with uh, the manufacturing and planning and all sorts of stuff takes over. I know, but uh, anyway, it it's I, it hasn't been a bad experience, so I'm I'm enjoying it right now. So you're approaching this from the publishing aspect, and you said you you probably are going to branch off to more than just games. But what made you decide to stick to the publishing side? I mean, have you ever tried design? Are, are you a game oh, designer on your goodness. own? Uh, I tried. Um, I have a lot of respect for people that have the brains to design games. <laughs> I'll tell you that right now because it's a long and uh, I wouldn't say painful, but it's just, you know, it's a very involved process. Anyway, the guy that uh, designed Give It to the King, he's been designing games for a long time and really sort of uh, helped me understand the game designer. So. I don't uh I don't think I'll be designing too many games. I do really enjoy playtesting them. <laughs> okay, so you're firmly happy with being on the publishing side of things. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. We get lots of people on and some people deal with the publishing side of things just to have have their game published and and go through Kickstarter and it's just kind of well I'll deal with that side. And there are some people that thoroughly enjoy both sides and but the majority of people are usually like I just want to design and uh I would yeah. prefer not to get into the publishing side. So it's always interesting to me when we can talk to somebody that is firmly in the, no, I, I'm good in the publishing realm. I will leave the design to other people. I'm a firm believer in doing what you do best or doing what you think you do best anyway. And, uh, you know, strategic partnerships are pretty important to me. So like, I'm not trying to do the artwork for this game, for instance, because beyond a stick figure, you're not getting much <laughs> out of me. Right. So yeah, I'm, I'm interested in the business side of it. I'm interested in the community side of it. We're trying to do a really kind of local community feel to our company right now. So that's sort of the stuff I, I'm interested in looking forward to. So give it to the king is going to be your flagship product at this time, correct? That's what you said. That will be the one that kicks off, yeah, a few products that we have sort of on the shelf right now. Let's talk about it a bit, especially since, I mean, one of the reasons we're having the conversation or uh, one of the reasons I thought it would be really interesting to have this conversation and I tried to squeeze it in. And Josh can attest that we've uh, done some very interesting uh, schedule juggling to make sure we can have this conversation. <laughs> yeah. But is because you you ha you did launch this previously and uh, it was canceled. It wasn't unsuccessful, but you decided to cancel it because you basically decided it, it needed a revamp at that time, correct? Yeah, that's exactly what we did. Well, I mean, I can go into some of the specifics of it uh, if you want, but the, the sort of main thing was is that, uh, you know, if, if you're not going to hit your goal, there's no point in continuing, in my opinion, opinion anyway, continuing with the Kickstarter. First of all, it's uh, an incredible amount of work to keep it going, but also uh, that time that you're spending on the social media and sort of keeping the Kickstarter going is pretty valuable time that you could be using to revamp your campaign. Yeah, there's actually been quite a bit of conversation back and forth recently on, on basically this subject is should you let it run even if you think it's not going to fund or should you cancel and start the revamp? 
And it's a very split opinion in the community, it seems. <laughs> I mean, uh, passionately so at times. Yeah. Well, I think that, uh, like, I mean, I even named the campaign Redux or Redo or whatever you want to, however you want to pronounce that. Uh, and I got a lot of comments about that saying, oh, why don't you, you know, why aren't you hiding the fact that you guys pulled the plug last time? And uh, and I've been commenting a little bit on the forums on or groups on Facebook and uh and my my goal for this campaign was to be as transparent as possible because I believe that sort of the whole mentality behind Kickstarter is, hey, look, we're not rich people. We need the help of everybody's pennies to help get things done. So uh, involve everybody as much in the process as possible. And it, that was kind of our decision when we relaunched was like, let's tell everybody where we went wrong. Let's tell everybody the lessons we learned and let's tell everybody also how we're going to improve it and uh, get them the game as best as they as we possibly can. From my aspect, uh, that has been that's the way to do it, in my personal opinion. Yeah. Uh, and I've shared that uh, before in the past and I share it with people that ask me about it and, and ask me to look at their projects. I firmly believe that what you did is is the proper route to go about it. And obviously it worked for you. I mean, you're successful at the moment and you're still raising funds for the next five days, but to have had the past campaign and to try to pretend that didn't exist, I think, yeah, you're potentially doing a disservice to the people that believed in you the first time around and the people that may have been watching it the first time around and thought of something questionable or for some reason, something you never know what it is, but something made them not hit the back button to, to give you a pledge. Maybe that got fixed the second time around, right? Yeah, and I would give everybody the same advice as sort of we took was make sure that you're honoring those people who definitely backed you in the first place because a lot of those are family and friends if you kind of want to put the nail to it. It's people that you've just asked to say, hey, look, like uh, we're trying to get this thing going. Maybe you're not the biggest fan of board games, but you could really help us out. And uh, so they dug into their pockets to help us. And you really want to make sure that, well, I mean, from a business point of view, you want to make sure they're back, backing the project for the second time, but also also, you want to say to them, like, you know, you believed in us the first time around. We're going to redo things and make it better for you the second time around. And then for other people just kind of finding the thing, like I know for myself personally, there have been a, a few that have relaunched and have significantly dropped everything with no explanation. And that makes me as concerned, if not more than maybe the first time I saw it. I'm not necessarily going to back something. If I don't know the reasoning behind the change. Oh, uh, yeah, that's scary, right? Like, I mean, you could get in a situation where they have just decided, oh, you know what? Let's just throw shipping in. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, find the bill at the end is thousands and thousands of dollars more than they have to spend. And that's not fair, right? So that would make me scared to back it for sure. All right. Take a little trip back with me a little bit, if you will. Okay. Here, Josh. Yeah. <laughs> so sure. your first campaign. Yep. And this was the the very first time you launched, that was your very first Kickstarter, right? Yes. You've ever yep. done. Okay. What did you learn and what research did you do going into that launch? Not necessarily what you learned as you were going along, but going into your first launch. Right. I thought I had learned enough, put it that way. And uh, the truth was, is there was a lot more to learn. But, you know, I think it's important to 
especially for a publisher that's completely unknown, you have to really build your social networks um, to a, a level that you think is strong enough to be able to get the word out there, I guess, is the is probably the most important thing. But uh, leading up to that launch, I knew very little about manufacturing, very little about some of the social marketing that's out there and, uh, and a, a few other subjects. But uh, those were all sort of the main learning curves for me, for sure. Yeah. And I, there's, there's been a ton of us <laughs> saying it lately that, yeah, it's if, if you can going into your project, start the promotion even a year ahead of time. Sure. I know yep. there are a lot of people that that's too late for and they're a little, they, they might not like to hear that, but I know, I believe, uh, I think Richard Bliss even just recently yep. uh, had a podcast where he started touting that. And I know, uh, Jamie Stagmeyer has said it several times on his, uh, blog. And uh, I've had a couple conversations recently and it, it's, it's extremely true. I mean, do you think that you put in enough time before the first launch? Oh, not even, not even half of what we should have put in. So, uh, I, I originally thought, okay, well, maybe the best thing to do would be in the month sort of leading up to it, you get everybody hyped about it. And that's enough time because if you go farther, like in the, or sorry, uh, further ahead than that, then you're, people will lose interest, but it's not the case, right? Like it's an ongoing discussion with everybody for as long as you possibly can, I think is the trick, right? And I think Richard Bliss said that too, where it's like even a year, is, uh, it does, seems like a long time, but in this world, it's very quick, right? It'll go fast. And it just gives you that opportunity to uh, empower the people yeah. and, and give them like they have a sense of helping this project succeed from before it was even a project, right? Exactly. Like Kickstarter to me is a, it's not necessarily whatever to make a product. You're looking at a process from day one of you deciding, oh, I think I might possibly have a slight chance of putting that on Kickstarter to where it says funded and you're done. It's just a process that you have to kind of get as many people involved with as possible. So it's not so much you are here dictating what people should buy or what people should do. You're getting them involved. So I know one of the one of the really important things that a lot of uh, people are suggesting you do now is get your preview page up there as early as possible, because I know we got a lot of awesome feedback, good and bad, about our preview page for the second time around. And I didn't even launch a preview page for the first time around, which was uh, one of the mistakes I can put up on the wall of mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's actually uh, that's that's another uh, element I talked about tonight on a different podcast. Yeah. Was, uh, yeah. Get your preview page out there as soon as possible and, and start sharing it because again, it's even if it's 30 days or more beforehand, that's good. I mean, cause you're letting people know about your project. You're letting them see, uh, what you've got kind of in the works. You're getting good feedback and things that you can edit before wide launch. And you've got this just nice group of people now that are involved. They're, they, exactly. they know what you got. They're trying to help you along and suddenly they're swept up in your community. They want to see you succeed because you've empowered them to help you get ready for launch. Yeah. And the key to any Kickstarter is the people. That's the, you know, it's not, it, the product is very important too, but the people are always equally as important. So I found that uh, when I got the feedback for the preview page, it was, there was a lot of negative feedback, which was 
I guess it's constructive. I shouldn't call it negative. It's constructive <laughs> criticism. And uh, there's a lot of positive stuff as well. But what was really cool, and this is the part that I love about the whole community aspect of it, is I decided not to go with everybody's feedback. And people were still cool with that because they said, oh, yeah, that's how you want to run it. Then that's how you should run it. But these are my suggestions. Take as many as you want or take as few as you want. And 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 just the fact that they're involved in the process. Some of these people I've been speaking to on a regular basis, even as the campaign is going. And it's just amazing to just uh, to see, you know, some of them are backing the project. Some of them still haven't backed the project, but they're still involved in the process. And, and that's what I think Kickstarter is really about, even though there's a lot of sort of big companies running Kickstarter projects now that may not have the same community feel to it. I think that uh, it's still a cool medium for that. I totally agree. And I, I like what I like what you said about taking the feedback. And basically what I've, I've been saying a lot is you got to take the, all the feedback, but you've got to filter it to what you need. Correct. Yeah. And, and at the end of the day, it's still your project. Well, and the truth is, too, like, I don't want to I'm running the campaign, but also uh, Francois, the designer. I mean, it's his game. It's his product as well. Right. So a lot of the feedback I'm running through him to make sure that we're representing his project the way that he wants it to be represented. Because and in the end, he's the one who designed the game. Right. Right. I'm going to go down that path for a second sure. <laughs> since you opened it up. Okay. How does that work for you? How, how has that communication or level of cooperation gone with you? Now, I, I'm used to talking to somebody that, I mean, I've had a few people on, but I'm used to talking to the majority of people that are like, this is my game. I get to make the decisions. And you're sitting in the publisher side and want to see the game funded, but you've also got the designer. And, and I'm assuming since you're uh, starting out and you're a smaller publishing company right now that you're pretty actively involved with the designer in, in the decision-making process. Is that fair? That's, yeah, that's pretty fair. We're, we kind of, uh, we're doing it definitely as a team. Uh, I'm more interested in sort of the, the running the campaign and doing the, the social media and the marketing and inter, interacting with the, uh, backers and the people a little more than he is. And he's very interested in how things are presented and how we do things on the art department sort of. Uh, from that aspect. So we're definitely definitely complementing each other on those two fronts. And uh, there hasn't been too many, let's say, contentious issues between the two of us, because we both have the same goal, right? So it's more of a discussion of what would be best for the for the uh, campaign or what would be we don't want to take this part of the game because it's very important. Or, you know, uh, one of the major decisions we, we did, which we both agreed on was to remove the figurines from the base game. Um, we have solid resin figurines in our prototypes and uh, we removed those to put them as a stretch goal as you know a lot of people recommended us to do mm -hmm. and I think that was a huge change for us in terms of bringing the price down to a, a level that people were a little more comfortable with backing uh, it be simply because we're a startup uh, publishing no one's heard of us well hopefully a lot of people have heard of us now but when we launched <laughs> when we pushed the launch button that was the case and so in terms of working with the with Francois it's been it's been pretty good because he's really interested in his his games and uh, making sure that they hit shelves at some point so it's been a good process actually between us yeah it sounds like and it sounds like you kind of end up with a almost a double filter right i mean if it gets past both of you it must be good kind of <laughs> deal, right uh, yeah i guess so yeah we, we try <laughs> to run it through a few other people too just to make sure we're all uh, on the same page but yeah that's that's kind of what, what we've been doing it's just been a, a big back and forth the past three or four weeks and uh and it seems to be working so so now let's go into you you launched your original one yep and at what point did you make a decision to cancel we just saw no more movement on it and we had kind of uh 
I don't want to say begged, but tried to tap as many resources as we possibly could. But what what it was, was more, we just realized that the price point, sort of the goal that we were looking for, and the just the, the basic buy-in for the average backer was a little more outside the comfort zone than the average backer wants to spend. So we just decided, you know what, let's revamp things. We can definitely do better for everybody. And uh, th- that was sort of the moment we were just like, you know what, pull the plug. Let's spend our energy on something more important. Okay. So you pulled the plug. And what lessons did you get from pulling the plug and starting to work towards a relaunch? How much time do you have, Jeff? Oh, I've got plenty of time. I've oh, got, okay. I've got just, with... just, yeah. <laughs> I'll talk about the most important ones. You I bet. think I've already mm-hmm. sort of touched on them a little bit. One of them was really sort out the best way to get something manufactured, not necessarily the cheapest, but the most efficient so that you can get the best game for the value that people are willing to spend on it. The second was we shortened our print run quite a bit. So I think we were a little ambitious with how many copies we wanted to get printed. And that sort of overall allowed us to get a much lower funding goal because for two things, one, we're not spending as much money on the on the games themselves, but also we're not shipping as many games over, which is a huge expense, as you probably know. Mm-hmm. And the third most important, two more things. One of them was our fulfillment. We have a we made a really good arrangement with a fulfillment company to help us get the games to the backers at a better rate than we had sort of previously uh, established. And then the last thing, which we've already touched on a bit, was uh, pre campaign interaction with everybody so it was hey this is our old campaign look at the thing reasons why we pulled the plug and essentially these are what we've done this is what we've done to fix it and now here's our preview page give us your feedback so there was definitely a process flow on that on that front so then you went to you you launched and or you relaunched and uh you were very upfront in your project page about what changed what how's the feedback been on that amazing right off the bat we had a lot of people saying oh this is way better than the way you were approaching it before uh there were a few people that were the biggest comment we got in terms of uh like negative comments was oh i'm just sad that these figurines aren't going to be included in the base game and other than that we've been getting an amazing amount of support and and people from all over the place just saying hey this was an awesome start because we started with i think it was about four thousand dollars on the first day which was already almost half of our our goal, which was sort of our goal to really start out in the first couple of days with a bang. Our goal was 50% in the first two days. And I think we we may have just hit that or just shy of that or something. I'd have to look at the exact numbers. I can't remember. But it was an awesome start, which uh, which gave which really pumped us up to say, OK, there is a bunch of people that are interested in this game and us. So that's sort of been, that was the uh, that was the reaction when we brought things back. So now you're sitting with like a five days left. <laughs> yeah. Five very long days. Yeah. <laughs> very long, but very fast. I'm assuming very yeah. hectic days. Oh. Yep. Have you worn out your refresh button? Yet? Yeah, there is no <laughs> that spot on my screen has no more pixels left or something. I no. <laughs> Actually, I got an app for my phone, which is scary, right? Like yeah. I'm looking at it on my uh, one of my home screens on my phone that kind of just sits there saying how many backers I have, how much money we've raised and how many days left. <laughs> So let's go ahead and actually talk about the game now then. Okay, sure. So uh why don't well, you Well the fun part. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's a game here. I'm yeah. supposed to know about the game, right? Yeah. Hopefully. 
<laughs> it's a unique tabletop game that delivers tough decisions at a ton of fun and a quick, lively pace, I think is the tagline. <laughs> but uh, but what it is is actually a pretty cool... It, essentially, we're rolling and moving in this game, but it adds some really neat uh, elements where you have to be leaping over messengers to get down a hallway to deliver these message cards that you have, which have a value to the king who you're delivering the messages to, but also have ways of influencing the die rolls as you're trying to make your way down the hallway. So there's a lot of cool decisions that you have to make in that game. It's nice and fast, so people can play it in uh, 20 to 30 minutes. And um, yeah, it's a neat, it's a cute little game. Got a neat long board that has uh, the hallway on it that's in uh, four pieces. So they're like puzzle pieces that fit together and they're pretty cool. And yeah, it's it's good fun. Uh, I think it's a cool game for everybody. We've we've even done some play testing with children where we've shortened the board and made just the sort of leaping movements happen and things like that just to sort of race down the hallway for fun. And, and everyone seems to have had a good time. Yeah, and I think one of the things that's that's kind of cool about the game as well is just the fact that you, you talked about having to deliver the messages, but you can either deliver them unopened for more points. Yes. Or you can use them for their abilities, but you'll get less points for them if, after you deliver them, correct? Yeah, for sure. And what that does is it really creates, uh, at the beginning of the game, this, this sort of decision making where you kind of have to think about, you know, where you are in the turn order, how you can manipulate the die to move it to get it to be your turn or how you might want it to be someone else's turn because you're not allowed to move your own piece because it ends your turn, which is another cool sort of mechanism that's built in there. So you're moving these pieces down. And, uh, you know, one of the things I like the first time I played this game with, I kind of asked Francois, I'm like, so you mean it's not a good idea to move my piece, but I need to get my piece to see the king. So how do I do this? And it's like, that's kind of like a puzzle that you have to solve all the way through the game. And the beauty of it is that the puzzle changes depending on the people you play with, right? And then those wonderful custom resin figurines that everybody was hoping for uh, is actually the next stretch goal that you're trying to unlock. Yes. So we're hoping for sort of a final push this week to get us to that uh, 13,500 goal. And everyone who's backed the game on Kickstarter will get that included in their copy. The early birds who've only paid uh, $23 to get a copy, they'll still get. Uh, so we didn't want it to be an add on. You know, we wanted it to be something that was uh, available to everyone. So $28 for a copy of Give It to the King on the Kickstarter. And you're actually ending September 20th. So just around the corner here. Yes, it's uh, getting close. <laughs> <laughs> What's your overall, I'm coming back now to the Kickstarter thought process overall again. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, I guess that's kind of the topic of our conversation. Eh? So <laughs> I think it's really cool. Like it was introduced to me by my brother who's actually in the film business. And I know it kind of sort of launched and a lot of like indie film people took advantage of it and a lot of artists and stuff. And now it's coming the last few years to, you know, the board game industry, which is obviously a pretty cool industry. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm a big fan. I think it's neat. I don't, I don't, I know, I, I guess you could get opinionated and say who should be the people using it and who shouldn't be the people using it. And I, I don't really want to go down that route, but I do think it gives a great opportunity for people who, and, and, you know, like game publishers who are just starting out, who want to, um, who just can't, like, I mean, I don't, I don't have a million dollars to start a company. So it's kind of nice to do it this way. I think it's, um, 
a really cool community experience for everybody. I, I I mean, I'm probably just like everybody and not really knowing what the future of Kickstarter holds. I don't know if there's going to hit a critical mass or whatever, but um, I can't believe the amount of projects that are on there. Like I, that, that's another full-time job to start going through <laughs> the amount of projects that are on there. Cause I like backing them. I like funding people's projects and things that I would be interested in playing or things that I'd be interested in finding out if I like to play, because I like the idea of helping out a, a company that's starting up. Yeah. That's, kind of part of why i started doing not only the uh draft pick stuff but the interviews as well because i do go through as many projects as i possibly can i i check them out i have people ask me to go check them out now which is kind of cool <laughs> yeah uh, and not everybody takes my advice and like you said that's cool uh or or they take portions of it and again at the end of the day it's your project and i always hope people fund but i don't have I would love to have the funds to back everything. You know <laughs> I what I mean? Yeah. I'm in the same boat as you. Exactly. Yeah. Cause, so cause you know, you're helping somebody out, right? I mean, it's, well, most people are, uh, kind of small startups and, and things that are looking for just their first leg up, you know, and to get a bit of publicity, which is awesome. Cause you're getting, you know, marketing with the Kickstarter, which is neat as well. But it's, it's the involvement of everybody that I think is cool. Cause it's like you put it out there, you present it as best as you possibly can and. If it doesn't fund, should it really be a product, right? Like maybe you're, you're as a, from a business say, Oh, you know what? We tried. That's not something that everybody's looking for. So let's move on to the next project or it did fund and you're like, okay, let's, uh, print another couple hundred copies and hopefully everybody will still be buying them in stores. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of why I, I do this. It's like, well, I can't back everything. <laughs> yeah. But maybe I can, uh, I can help in other ways. <laughs> It's great. I mean, the, the podcast community is awesome for that. And the, the blog and reviewers that we've spoken to, everyone's been very, uh, very helpful, very interested in uh, getting the word out. And it's been it's a pretty good community, I would say, overall. So uh, let me ask you that, since that's actually a hopefully in October, we're still playing we're still playing the scheduling game. But myself and Cyrus Kirby and uh, Lance Mixter, so myself, Father Geek and Undead Viking yep. uh, are planning on doing a round table to kind of round table podcast to kind of talk about the game reviewer side of, of Kickstarter. Mm. So then my question to you would be um, for your opinion, uh, how important was the review part of launching your campaign, having reviews? I think it was very important. Uh, we sent out a lot of review copies. Uh, not all of them that we sent out got reviewed. I guess people's schedules and stuff, the reviewers are getting busier and busier and busier, it seems. And uh, we one mistake we made on this campaign was to try to get reviews from people during the Gen Con <laughs> craziness so uh that was it was a bit of a struggle we got most of them done which was awesome and uh uh the review community is pretty important i'm not 100 percent sure yet if it was important to drive the traffic to the kickstarter page or whether it was more important to have their reviews on the kickstarter page that's a pretty hard thing to sort of gauge at this point because the statistics that you get from uh, kickstarter they need to be a little they need to be improved a little bit because basically they only tell me where people have come from and whether they backed or if they backed, I get to find out where they came from. Right. Yeah. So you don't know how much traffic is actually hitting your Kickstarter page unless you use Bitly or uh, or Google Links or something like that, which we did to a certain extent, but not everybody's putting it that way. So the statistics are kind of skewed. But I think it's awesome if you guys do a review panel because I think that the uh, 
the reviews themselves are just very important for especially products from uh, or games from people uh, unknown publishers <laughs> they have to ha- you know you could just be printing pictures on your kickstarter and not have anything to show but you know i have people that have made videos uh, of give it to the king to show that yes actually we did send them a copy and it's real <laughs> yeah I completely agree. You talked earlier about, you know, not necessarily knowing uh, where the max is or where the bubble might be or or anything for Kickstarter. And I don't know if we're necessarily going to see that. I mean, we may. Uh, That could happen. Like you said, it's kind of hard to predict sometimes, but it's obviously growing. But I think out of that, we, we may not be hitting necessarily the bubble, but we are starting to hit the here's the process that you need to follow to have a somewhat successful project right so for sure at at this point there's so much information i think i said this earlier tonight too on the other other one but it's so much information out there right now there's no reason for anybody to ever go into a kickstarter project at this point uninformed about just about anything to be successful for their kickstarter project agreed i mean there's so many um there's so many blogs and uh, awesome information from different people who have run campaigns in the past and uh, who are always actively running campaigns. It doesn't seem too competitive in that respect. Like everybody seems to be willing to share as much information as possible, which is totally awesome. And I guess kind of what Kickstarter is all about. But yeah, I don't know whether we'll hit a, ma- a critical mass either. I think that uh, if there's too many projects, people might not have enough money to spend on them like uh, you and I are finding ourselves in. But uh, <laughs> yeah, that that's part of the issue. Definitely. Definitely. I mean, it's the the more projects and the more quality projects. Because let's let's face. I mean, uh, there was a time where you were really rolling the dice, and you might still be. But again, with the process that's being put in place, and part of that is uh, what you need for your video, what you need to have on your page, having the reviews out there already. Yeah. All of these things are making it so those of us on the backing side can make a more informed decision. And, uh, decide where our dollars are going to go. Now, everybody following that and having a bunch of quality projects out there doesn't help. You're not going to necessarily be able to hit every one of them, but you can at least make that decision and you can on the project side, help yourself out a lot above and beyond the next guy. Uh, that's just going to, like you said, stick a couple pictures on there and say, Hey, I, I need to, I need this done. That's right. Exactly. I mean, one of the things that uh, it's so unfortunate because it's uh, I mean, being up in Canada, we're adding like almost $20 to every single game that we back on uh, Kickstarter. So you can imagine like, you know, that really cuts into the budget a little. And I wish that there was a way to get around that. It's just uh, it's just one of those things that I think limits a lot of people is their budget and uh, and the shipping really causes some trouble. Right. Yeah. You see that off and on. Yeah. So now that it's starting to open up. Uh, to other areas you're kind of starting to see uh those of us in the u.s who got spoiled <laughs> yeah. start to make the same complaints we've always seen from uh, everybody everywhere else because uh, you know there are times uh you got to really watch the project you're looking at and see where it's coming out of now and yes you too in the united states may have to pay shipping <laughs> well it's crazy like the funny thing i mean maybe not so funny but some of the comments we got was well we obviously um on our first campaign we we we're going to have all the games shipped to uh the u.s for distribution because it makes sense because that's where they're going to be distributed from but uh we had local canadian backers here that are like what i have to spend so much money but you guys are a canadian company <laughs> and the answer was oh you know like this is one of the things we learned from the first one that we had to figure out about 
better solution for our Canadian backers because we do have a lot of friends up here that are supporting us and that was pretty important. It is definitely a, an, an issue, this the shipping for sure. Are there any uh, other major lessons that you want to make sure we touch on? No, I don't think so. I think we covered the major ones for sure. Okay. Once this is all said and done, like I said, you got five days, you're successful, which is awesome. I'm, I'm glad to see you uh, make it the second time around. Uh, and once again, kind of help prove my point that it's never, it's not necessarily a bad thing to have to relaunch if you do it smartly. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, it's definitely, I mean, life is about making mistakes and learning from them. So I, we took that approach and it's like, uh, it's pretty, it was pretty impressive on that first day where you hit that launch button and you're like, did we make the same mistake that we did the first <laughs> time? And boom, there's a bunch of people that are back and you're like, okay, I think we're on a roll here. So let's hopefully, uh, hopefully we can get this thing funded. Yeah, you guys are doing really well. You've got some really great and and positive uh, quotes from reviewers and stuff on the site. And and uh, five more days, and hopefully, uh, you guys, if you want them, make sure you get out there and 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 make the pledges to get those resin figures if you really want to see them in the game. Yes, they are super awesome. We would love to include them. <laughs> so once this wraps up for you, what are you looking at then after that? Where what's your process now going to be? Say, okay, we're successfully funded. We got to go. Let's get this out the door. <laughs> That's right. Okay. Um, well, we've already started that process. So we kind of made a bit of a promise to ourselves that as soon as we get close to the funding uh, goal, we definitely have as much done as we possibly can because we don't want to delay the game coming to the backers. So we're already kind of lining up the final details with the manufacturer. And uh, hopefully that will be sorted out in the next few weeks and we'll be uh, rocking and rolling there and moving on to the next project. Okay. And do you have an idea what the next project will be? Uh, I can give you some sort of teaser trailer type of things. So one of the things we're working on is a uh, 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 unique spin on a trick-taking card game. Okay. So that's kind of one, one thing we're doing a viking theme for that one okay and um we've got a storytelling game that's uh, been around been in uh, francois sort of shelves of uh, prototypes for a while that's really awesome that we're going to try to to put together we have a zombie game i mean <laughs> there's lots of those out there but uh we we've we've definitely been working on one of those and then there's a few things that uh i'm sort of looking at now and evaluating from people who have sent me prototypes that uh that aren't francois and part of our team right now that we're looking to maybe branch out and build some more strategic relationships there were you able to go to gen con this year are you rubbing it in that I didn't get to go to Gen Con, man? <laughs> no, you know what? No, I feel sorry. like I went to Gen Con because of all you podcasters. Like, <laughs> I, I could probably piece together all the events of Gen Con from all the different podcasts I've listened to. <laughs> Uh, no, sorry, sorry no. for bringing yeah. up a sore subject. Yeah, I'll, I'll let you go so now, Josh. <laughs> How about that? There's always a silver lining. And, uh, no, this year was, uh, uh, just a ton of, like, this summer's been busy. There's a lot, a lot of family stuff going on this summer on top of prepping for this Kickstarter. So all I was going to say, man, was I was sorry I missed you if you were there, but yeah, no. <laughs> apparently sorry, I'm all right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We'll leave it at this. I would have loved to have been there and hung out with all you guys. <laughs> uh, all right. I think I'm going to wrap this one up for today. I want to thank you, Josh, for hanging out with me. Hey, it's my pleasure. Thanks for, uh, you know, what was kind of crazy getting our schedules lined up, but I'm really glad we got the chance to sit down and chat. It, it was crazy, but we made it happen. <laughs> yeah. And good luck with cleaning up after your dogs this week. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. 
Megan's back. She can help now. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, they're doing better. Thanks, though. Good. <laughs> so, Give It to the King is on Kickstarter right now. It goes until September 20th, so you've got a short time to get back out there and back this project. Already hit its first stretch goal, looking to hopefully hit the second one, which are those resin figures that everybody is uh, drooling over. So go check it out. Thanks for hanging out with me, Josh. Oh, my pleasure.